Good morning, friends. I often get emails from different people asking about important decisions that they need to make in their life, and they're just not sure what to do. So they think it's good to ask a pastor. So they ask me. Well, I wanted to, instead of just respond to those emails, is it okay if I answer a few of them out loud with you right now? Is that all right? Can we do that? All right, audience participation. Yes. All right, here we go. So someone asked me, hey, Eric, I've been dating this girl for a year or more, and, and I'm really in love with her. I think she's the one. Should I marry her? Should I propose? And in my godly counsel, let's just uh, answer this here with my magic eight ball. I think the answer is... Outlook, good, yes. Go ahead and put a ring on it, young man. That's exactly what you should do. Another person asked me, Eric, our family's been offered this dream job. We've loved to do this. We've wanted to do this for years. However, it requires that we leave all the church family that we've grown to love. We leave our friends. We have to move out of state. And our employers want to know by Monday what our answer is. So should we, Eric, take the job? Well, I'm very confident that the answer is, ask me later. I'm not actually confident at all about that one. And then I have a personal one. All right, I would love to know if LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers are going to bring home the Larry O'Brien trophy for the second year in a row. Any other LeBron fans out here? Two. Okay. Well, my Magic 8 ball says it is certain that they are going to win. So... Take that to the bank. Now, how many of you guys played with a Magic 8-Ball growing up as a kid? Anybody? Yeah, most of us did, right? And they were a lot of fun, right? We just sit around with our friends. We ask silly questions, and we shake the Magic 8-Ball until we get the answer that we desire. While that's fun, we know that that's not how life works, is it? Right? We should never, ever, ever rely on a Magic 8-Ball to give us any advice that matters. So how do you make important decisions in life? When you're at a crossroads and you don't know which way to go, who do you turn to? When it comes to us and God, the biggest question that most people have is this, God, what is your will for my life? God, where do you want me to go to college? Do you want me to marry? Who do you want me to marry? Should we have kids? How many kids should we have? Should we adopt? There are lots of questions that are very specific to our situation, and our desire is to know what God's will is in each one of those circumstances. Now, when we ask these questions, they tend to deal with God's specific will. That specific will is a specific answer for a specific situation. Try to say that three times fast, right? But as we grow in our faith, as we mature as Christians, our focus tends to be more on God's, not a specific will, but it tends to be on his revealed will. And those are two very different things, his specific will and his revealed will. Now, what's awesome is that the answer to life's most important questions have already been revealed to us right here in God's word, in the Bible. We don't need to rely on a magic eight ball anymore. For example, should we move in together before we get married? The answer is no, always no, because that's what scripture says. Do I really need to be part of a church family? Yes, you should. Acts chapter two talks about being in community with one another, just like we're doing here. Also, should I forgive my ex or someone who's hurt me? Yes, Jesus says, forgive as you have been forgiven. 
You see, God has clearly revealed his will for us through his word. This is absolute truth for all humanity. I don't care what society tells you. They'll say, well, your truth is whatever you want it to be. No, that's not the truth. The truth is here in God's word. This is absolute truth. And one of the biggest things that we learn from his word is that he wants every single person to repent and turn to him for salvation. That's one of his revealed truths to us. It's also God's will that you live holy and righteous lives. It's God's will that we serve one another. And today we're going to focus on this truth. It is God's will that we share our faith with those around us. Can you guys say that out loud with me? It's God's will that we share our faith with those around us. So last week, Jeff uh, used the example of a cell phone to illustrate how we understand the importance of being empowered, right? We have to stay connected to the source. If we're not plugged into the power source, our cell phone is useless. But there's another reason why a cell phone won't work, and you probably know this, right? We can have all the juice in the world that we want, but if we have no what? Bars, signal, right? If we have no service, this phone is useless. It's going to catch every third word in a conversation before the call ultimately drops, and don't you hate a drop call? And I, there's a spot where I'm driving uh, from my house going uh, to Fairlawn, and at the bottom, just past Sharon Elementary School, it drops every single time. I have to call them back, and I hate that. Well, here's what I want you to understand today. The big idea, the big takeaway. When we obey God's revealed will, then the signal for his specific will becomes very clear. And that signal is the Holy Spirit. Let me say it again. When we obey God's revealed will, which is found in his word, then the signal for his specific will becomes very clear. We can understand it. And that specific will, that signal is the Holy Spirit. Through obedience, the Holy Spirit strengthens and he grows inside of us. And that's ultimately how we can be empowered by him. However, the opposite is also true. If we continue to disobey, if we continue to refuse to live according to what God has taught us in his word, then it's highly unlikely that we're going to be able to clearly understand what the Holy Spirit desires for us specifically in our lives. And we see this story take place in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 1, God tells Philip, who was a Christian leader at that time, along with all of us today, because his truth is forever, God tells Philip and us his revealed will. And this is what he says. Jesus says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. God wants us to share our faith with those around us. That is his revealed will. He wants us to be his witnesses in Medina, in Wadsworth, in Brunswick, in Fairlawn, in Copley, across Ohio, across the United States, and all over the world. That is what he wants from each and every one of us. Regardless of what you do for a living, that's what he wants you to share your faith with those around you. So if you've got your Bibles or your smartphones, you can turn with me to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, we're going to spend a lot of time here talking about the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. So soon after this proclamation that Jesus shares with us in Acts chapter 1, Stephen, who's the first Christian martyr, he is stoned to death. And right after that, 
Philip, along with many other Jesus followers, they're scattered, they're spread. And they travel about 35 miles north to a town called Samaria. Through the Holy Spirit's power and through Philip's obedience, a huge revival begins to break out here in Samaria. Hundreds of people become Jesus' followers. Now, while Philip is following God's revealed will, he also gets a specific command from the Holy Spirit. He is prompted to share his faith with a stranger from a faraway land. And we're going to start in verse 26, Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. And on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candake, which means the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Now, let me pause right there. How awesome would it be if the Holy Spirit would audibly say to you, Eric, I want you to go here and do this. I want you to wait right here. I want you to take this job. I want you to marry that person. How great would it be if God would just audibly say that to us today? It would be easy to follow, right? We could not mistake that. Well, as you read throughout the Bible, you'll find that oftentimes before the Holy Spirit came, God did reveal his way to his followers in that regard. He revealed his way audibly to them. But today it's very different. God has primarily chosen to reveal his specific will for us through the indwelling and through the prompting of the Holy Spirit. That's almost always how he works today. And in this passage, we learn a few things about how God works. First of all, we see that God chooses to partner with us to change the lives of other people. He chooses to partner with us to change other people's lives. Think about it. The angel could have just bypassed Philip altogether. He could have just showed up at the chariot and started speaking directly to the Ethiopian man. He didn't need Philip at all. You see, God does not need any of us. But what's awesome is that he chooses. He chooses to partner with us to change lives. That means he uses you and I, imperfect, selfish, prideful, oftentimes inconsistent followers of Jesus to share the good news of his love. And I don't know about you, but I am so glad that he uses me and he uses you to spread the good news. Secondly, we see that God will go to incredible lengths, incredible lengths, just to reach one person. In verse 26, Philip is told to go south. Now here's what that means. This angel sends Philip, one of the most significant leaders in the early church, away. He sends him away from where hundreds of people are making decisions for Jesus. He sends Philip to a deserted road in the middle of the desert in the heat of the day to meet with a stranger who is wandering there. Now this matters because what it tells us is that God sees and he knows every soul. God cares about everyone, regardless of how near or far they are to him. No person, no person is too far gone out of his reach. 
And some of you know that firsthand. Because maybe years ago, maybe months ago, maybe it was just weeks ago, that you were the stranger who was wandering in the desert. You were the lost soul who was searching for a savior. And someone had the boldness to share their faith with you, to tell you about this amazing person called Jesus. And it changed your life. So with no explanation as to why, the angel tells Philip, go in the heat of the day to the desert road in the middle of nowhere. And I want you to look at his response in verse 27. Four words. So he started out. Say that with me. So he started out. Philip doesn't know why. And it's probably a lot to ask of him. But yet his simple obedience is what I want us to focus on. It's what we should replicate. Oswald Chambers put it this way. He said, you will learn more about the Holy Spirit in five minutes of personal obedience than in five years of intellectual study. And I think he's absolutely right. I've seen that in my own life. I've learned more in five minutes of personal obedience than in five years of intellectual study. I went to Bible college. I've studied then. I've studied now. But obeying the Holy Spirit is what has changed my life, not just studying about it. You see, the more you obey God's word, the more clearly you're going to hear his leading in your life, which comes from that indwelling gift of the Holy Spirit. So when you feel the prompting inside of you to reach out to someone who has hurt you or someone that you don't get along with, do it. When the Spirit prompts you to admit something that you're struggling with, do it. When the Holy Spirit prompts you to share your faith with a stranger, don't shrug it off, obey, obey. The more obedient you are to these promptings, the more clearly you will be able to discern them in the future and the stronger that signal of the Holy Spirit grows inside of our lives. Now, Philip doesn't know why. He doesn't understand everything, and he doesn't have to. But he starts out on the journey anyway. Verse 27 and 28, look at this. says, the Ethiopian had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. Here's why this matters. Ethiopia. Jerusalem, they're about a thousand miles apart. So this man traveled a thousand miles by chariot, mind you, in search for the truth. He wants a relationship with God. And he's heard that God dwelt in this temple that was built in Jerusalem. So he makes this long journey there and he shows up, he finds it, he worships there. But then he leaves and he's still searching. He's still wandering. He leaves with his deepest questions unanswered. In Jeremiah 29, 13, God tells us, you will seek me when you find me and seek me with all your heart. So a few important lessons that we can glean from Acts chapter eight. One is this, God will often lead you out of your comfort zone when you obey his leading. He will often lead you and I out of our comfort zones when we obey his leading. You know, we typically think of God's specific will for our lives ending with two things, our personal happiness and our immediate fulfillment. Am I right? 
when we think about God's specific will for our lives, we tend to think that he's going to make us personally happy and we're going to get what we want when we want it, which is usually right now. Like we know, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God would never send us to be a missionary to Africa or to Haiti or to a third world country, right? He would never send me to go do that. He's going to save that specific will for somebody else because that's not what God wants for me. Is that right? Or is that not what you want for you? See, we always think that God is going to make us personally happy, and we're not promised that. It's not how he works. When God reveals his specific will, it's almost always for his glory, for his purpose, not for our own. He doesn't operate on our timeline. He's not some genie in a bottle that we just rub the lamp and poof, he appears and he gets to fulfill all of our uh, heart's deepest desires. That is not how God works. So God told Philip, hey, I know it's hot. I know it's inconvenient. I know it's out of the way, but I want you to go to this desert road in the heat of the day so you can talk to this person that you don't know, this stranger you've never met. God will often lead you out of your comfort zone to do something great for him. He will often lead you out of your comfort zone so that you can save one soul. If there's anything true about what this pandemic has done to us, it's that it's made us too comfortable. It's much more comfortable to stay in your PJs and watch your TV from the home, watch the sermon from home. It's much more comfortable not to serve in the church, just to show up, get fed, and walk out to play it safe. But when I read the Bible, I see that Christianity is not about playing it safe. It's never been about playing it safe. Christianity has always been about danger, about what I would call taking a righteous risk for God. I mean, that's how it spread all over the world, how it left that little town of Jerusalem. People took righteous risk for Jesus. I think we'd all be a little better off if we got up every morning and like our Cleveland Browns quarterback, Baker Mayfield, if we said, I woke up feeling dangerous today. Can y'all say that with me? Right? I woke up feeling dangerous today. One more time. I woke up feeling dangerous today. Right? That's what we need to do for Jesus. Another lesson is this. Close proximity to non-Christians is necessary when you obey God's leading. Close proximity to non-Christians is necessary when you obey his leading. There's no way that this Ethiopian man could have been influenced unless, unless Philip got close to him, unless he drew beside the chariot. So I wonder, are you chasing any chariots today? Are you befriending people that are far from God? Are you rubbing shoulders with the lost? Maybe your chariot is the grocery store on the corner or the restaurant where you frequent. Maybe your chariot is your AAU team that you play ball with or the classmates that you go to school with. Maybe your chariot is your job or your business. Maybe your chariot is the bank where you go to or the gym that you work out in. Maybe God is calling you today to start a small group within your neighborhood 
with people who would never walk through the doors of a church, but they have no problem showing up to your home to share a meal with you. You see, the chariots and the opportunities are endless as long as we're intentional about engaging with them. For the last six months, Bree and I have been going to Advanced Health and Wellness in Wadsworth, Ohio. And we've gone to see Dr. Brandon Buff. He's become a very good friend of ours. He's helped us physically. Um, I could go through a long story, but uh, to keep it brief, Bree had a pinched nerve in her back back in August and she couldn't sleep. She was miserable. She could hardly move. We started going to see Dr. Bupp, and through his whole team, which is fantastic, uh, they have reversed that. They fixed her spine, and she doesn't have a pinched nerve anymore. He and his wife do nutritional stuff. They've helped Bree and I get in better shape, which is a good thing. But more importantly than the physical stuff, I am so inspired when I see how Brandon every single day uses his chiropractic business as his personal chariot. And I want him uh, to share a little bit with you. Watch this video. Hello, I'm Dr. Brandon Bupp uh, at Advanced Health Wellness Center. And I was really excited when uh, Pastor Jeff asked me to speak about this, actually, this topic, because I, I know I only have a short amount of time. I could literally talk about it for um, a, a really long time because there's two things that are significant uh, in our business that I actually think about and try to focus on every day and and number one is um we really want people to understand the power that made the body heals the body and so from day one from the beginning of of really learning about our business and actually in chiropractic and working with people's health the and i had never really thought of heard this concept but it is that the power that made the body heals the body and how can we, um, <laughs> how can we maximize and, emph and, and emphasize that with people, optimize? So how can we maximize and optimize that with our patients, um, giving them hope and knowing that it is within them um, to be able to be healthy and for their life to be changed and to get on the right track? And that power is through Jesus. And um, man, we, we get to like use that every day. So it, it, is, it is extremely powerful for us because it's like um, you're, you're not helping. Uh, it is like a dream come true, really, to be able to do that and see it and um, no, and, and then the second part of that really, I think, is that we get to give uh, God and Jesus the glory for that, those transformations. And that's actually beneficial to our business, too. So um, being able to say, like, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't me that did this thing, or uh, it was really like God is doing the healing and you have the potential. And so we have this innate intelligence that works through us, that gives our, our body a self-healing, self-organizing, self-controlling. We just have to do the right things with it. So um, that part is powerful. But then the second part of that is, so we get to introduce that to people by saying, hey, uh, your 
body is healing because God gives you the ability to heal. So when you get better, and thank God that lots of people get better, we get to say, no, that was God. Um, and hopefully that brings them closer to that relationship. But then also, the second part that we always focus on is how we treat people. And by, by treating them in a certain way, hopefully we can be discipling them. And, and, and it's powerful and it's, it is emotional because, man, we want to be doing that right. And um, hopefully we are. I think we are. We can always do it better. But, but again, hopefully that gives people this boost. And um, I want people to be healthy and to function well. Um, but the more people that can be saved through this relationship is even better. So I'm going to suggest, I'll make a plug for Brandon. He's not here. He uh, was on a trip and didn't get in until like 2 a.m. last night. Uh, but if you need some chiropractic help, go check him out. Uh, he's amazing. His team is great. Our family also goes to see Dr. Heather Mays. Many of you know her as Heather Rojas, and she is here this morning. Uh, amazing dentist. She's actually got her team with her, which I'm so excited about uh, here. And they're growing. They're doing some great things. She's not just a great lady, but she is a Jesus lover. So I've asked her to come this morning to share a little bit about how she uses her dentistry, Blue Heron Dentistry, uh, and just sharing her faith with people. So let's give Heather a warm welcome as she comes up. Okay, so this is really nerve-wracking. And I must say, I am definitely out of my comfort zone up here speaking to all of you. Um, but God has led me to do this, and I am following him. So um, just how I share um, my practice and my faith and bring Jesus to it is, one, my team that's here, I am so blessed that I have a um, team of faith-based ladies. It's wonderful because in the mornings, depending on our day, depending on our personal need, depending on the needs of our patients, we'll pray together. And whether it's one of us praying or all of us chipping in and praying, um, we give gratitude daily to God. I have so much wonderful things going on in my practice right now, and we all know that it's God, and we give thanks to him daily. We know if it weren't for him, this wasn't happening. And even if there's a time where it doesn't look so positive, it's a growth. We learn. Um, one thing that's nice is we can rely on each other for perspectives, all sharing the same value, whether it's something personal or something in business, we can go to each other. And it's really interesting how one of us can see something totally different than somebody else. And it's just great knowing that we can count on that. Um, we listen to Christian music in our office. It's just very soothing, and I love that. And I'll never forget a few years ago, one of my patients, he's been a patient of mine forever, had no idea he was a Christian, and he let me know how he noticed we were playing the Christian music, and he loved it. And that was just a great feeling. We embrace those around us. So whether it is embracing us as we need it, embracing patients as we need it, or I'm going to give an example. A couple weeks ago, I had um, someone subbing for me, an assistant. And those of, that, those of you that know me love to know that I ask lots of questions <laughs> to get to know you. And um, she's got a five-year-old and 
twins that are two, and then in getting to know her, um, we found out she's going to go through a divorce. She does not want a divorce. She wanted to work on it. They went to counseling. Sadly, her counselor told her she needed to get a divorce. And um, we as a team just embraced her. We put our arms around her. We embraced her. We shared our faith. We encouraged her to hook up with friends, go to church. And it was just a nice feeling. And we could tell she could feel that embrace. We, I am not afraid to let anyone know that I'm a Christian or that I'm faith-based. I bring that up all the time. Um, we talk to people about our faith and our practice. We share stories. If it's a sermon that hit me, I'll share it with patients. We are always inviting. I invite people all the time to come to my church, whether it's here or at the Wadsworth office. We're always inviting people to come. And another thing, being in the medical field, diagnosing and treatment plan is not always the easiest thing to do. And I pray daily that God will guide me through that diagnosis process, guide me through the treatment planning, and allow me to give the best care that I can on a patient. Because working in a little small mouth is not easy. And there will be times when I have a patient in the chair, and it can be challenging, whether it's the personality, whether it is an area in the mouth they can't open very wide and it's hard to see, or you know, I have a patient that's elderly and her mouth does that constantly and it can be very challenging and I will just sit there while I'm working on the patient and just pray, God, this is your child. This is your child I'm taking care of. Please allow me to do the best job that I can. So those are ways in my office that I bring Jesus to light and I hope that I can be impactful in some way. So I'm just going to ask you, you know, what is your why? What is the spiritual gift that God has given to you? And are you making a difference in someone's life? So thanks for letting me share that. And as I tell my team, it's going to be a great day. Make it a great day and a great week. That's awesome. That's awesome. Stay right there. Stay right there. Stay right there. Hey, uh, can we just pray? For Heather and her business. Is that cool? All right, let's pray. God, I just want to thank you for Heather and I thank you, God, for her passion for you. Uh, God, she loves to, to help people smile, to give them a healthy smile, which ultimately uh, gives them a healthy body, as she's taught me over the last two and a half years. And uh, God, I just pray that you would continue to use her and Ellen and Danielle and Tracy and their team. Uh, God, use them uh, to continue to shine your light. God, to lead lost people to you. So, Father, we thank you uh, for what they're doing in this community and, most importantly, for what they're doing in the bigger church community. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Awesome. So my prayer is that both of these testimonies, Brandon and Heather, I pray that they inspire you to engage with those who are far from God, however that is. And it's going to be different for whatever your business may be. Joe, you've got an insurance business. That's going to look a little different from Heather's or from Brandon's. Whatever your field is, even if you're still in school, share your faith with those around you. As I mentioned earlier, it requires intentionality on our part. We must get out of our comfort zones and get close to lost people. But sadly, we kind of tend to do the opposite. 
It's much easier to stay within our, what I call our Bible bubbles, right? It's easier to stay within our Bible bubbles at home and at work and at school. Author Joe Aldrich, after years of research, he came to this conclusion. So sad. He said, after being a Christian for two years, the average Christian no longer has a single significant relationship with a non-believer. Let that sink in. This man has studied Christians and non-Christians his entire life. He's observed their relationships. And he came to the conclusion that after just being a Christian for two years, the average Christian no longer has a single significant relationship with someone who is lost. May that never, ever be true of us. If 100% of our friends are Christians, then 100% of us is wrong. I know that's a strong statement, so let me, let me say it again. If 100% of our friends, the people that we influence, the people that we hang out with, if 100% are Christians, then we are 100% missing the boat on the gospel. How can we fulfill God's revealed will to us, which is that we share our faith with those around us, if everybody we only talk to are Christians? We can't. We can't. So if that's you, I want to challenge you. You've got some homework today. If that is you, I want to challenge you to begin a relationship with at least one person this week who does not believe in Jesus. They're not hard to find, okay? Medina, where we are right now, half of Medina City has no affiliation with the church at all. Find one person who does not believe in Jesus and befriend them. Invite them out to lunch. Invite them to your house. Strike up a conversation with them. Share the faith with them. Don't just start out immediately saying, hey, uh, I, I don't know how you want to do it. Like, don't just start with, hey, uh, you need to believe in Jesus or you're going to hell. Okay, that's not how you start a conversation. Just start engaging with them with some commonalities, some similarities. Listen to them. Lost people are everywhere. We just have to be a little dangerous and take a little bit of a righteous risk and engage with them. So let's jump back to the story. Acts chapter 8 says, Then Philip ran to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked? How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is this prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. And here's the conclusion. Look at verse 36. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here's water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. Did you see what happened there? The Holy Spirit led Philip into this divine appointment to share his faith. And as you follow God's revealed will, which is found in his word, the Holy Spirit will specifically lead you into those divine appointments to share your faith as well. He can use you to change people's lives if you're sensitive to his leading and if you obey his calling. 
the person you sit next to at the coffee shop, the server at your table when you go to lunch today, the guy at the grocery store, the lady who cuts your hair, your classmate in the lunchroom. Your life intersects with another life at just the right time, and that becomes a life-changing moment. And here's what happens when you respond to the Spirit's lead in those moments. When you're obedient to what the Spirit wants you to do, here's what happens. Someone who is troubled finds peace. Someone who is searching finds purpose. Someone who is hurting finds strength. Someone who is broken finds healing. Someone who is lost finds a home. They decide to repent and be baptized. This is not a coincidence. This is what I call a God incidence. It's not a coincidence. It is a God incidence. It is a divine appointment specifically for you. So as we close, I'm going to wrap up real quick here. I want you to turn with me and look at Acts 29 verse 1. So y'all turn with me. It's not going to be on the screen. So open up your Bibles, turn to Acts 29, verse 1. And when you get there, I want you to raise your hand. Go ahead, because I'm going to wait on you. Acts 29, verse 1. Come on. Chris, where is it? It's deleted. Oh, it's deleted. I don't think it was deleted. Actually, you can't find Acts 29. Because it's only 28 chapters in the book of Acts. Here's my point. We are living Acts 29 right now. We as a church, we are writing Acts 29. And each day we have Acts 29 moments as our lives intersect with the lives of those around us. And that is what Northside and Northside Medina is all about. So this week... You're going to have some Acts 29 moments. Maybe you'll have the impulse to send a text to someone. Maybe you'll have the impulse to make a phone call to someone you don't get along with or to take someone out to lunch that you work with or to pray for a relative who has hurt you. Will you just shrug it off and say, ah, I'm too busy. I can't do that right now, God. No, God, I'll get to that next week. Will you just shrug it off or... Will you be obedient to what the Spirit is calling you to do? Consider this. Maybe, just maybe, God has placed you in a specific time and a specific place for a specific person. Maybe God has placed you in a specific time for a specific place for a specific person. There are divine appointments waiting outside of these walls for all of us. The story of the church continues to be written every day, and I pray that we would be obedient to what the Holy Spirit wants us to do. I pray that he would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. I pray that the Holy Spirit gives us a heart that is compassionate and that he gives us a faith that is bold enough to not care what other people think, to not care what other people might say, but to share our faith and to speak the truth in love. As Jeff often says, I've heard him say this for years. He says, our goal should be to take as many Christians to heaven with us as we possibly can. That's the goal of our life on this earth. But we can't do that if we stay inside our Bible bubbles. We cannot do that unless we're obedient to what the Spirit wants us to do and to where he's leading us.
And I can't help but wonder if today is a divine appointment for someone here. It's not an accident that you're here this morning. It's a God incidence. Maybe you feel something tugging inside. God is knocking on the door of your heart. It's God. He's saying, just come to me as you are. Bring all your burdens. Bring all your troubles. Bring all your worries. Bring all the sin. I can handle it. Come to me just as you are. I want you as my son. I want you as my daughter. I have the best gift ever to offer you, and that is eternal life. You don't need to shake a magic eight ball for this one. The Ethiopian did not put off his decision. He chose to make Jesus his Lord and Savior and immediately be baptized. And I wonder, is today the day that someone in here does the same? Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word, your revealed will to us. God, the truth that we find all throughout these pages. And God, as we've just read and discussed the story of Philip and the Ethiopian man, I pray that we would not just sit here and walk out today and think, ah, that was a good story. But God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move inside of us. And God, that you would give us the boldness to act on what we've learned. God, five minutes of personal obedience is better than five years of individual study. So, Father, give us the boldness to shine a light in our businesses, God, on our teams, in our schools, in our families. And, God, I pray for those who are here that may not have already accepted you as their Savior. God, I pray that you would move them to make that decision right now. Father, let them come up during this song. Let them talk to me. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you would be glorified through what's about to take place today and this week. In Jesus' name, amen.